This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to our podcast this week. Our guest is Tim Schaefer, who is the founder and president of Human Resources, Inc. Welcome, Tim. Good morning. Thank you. So I appreciate you joining us today. Can you give us um, kind of a, a, how you got into to HR? What is, what is it about HR that gets you excited in the morning and into the office? You know, I get up. I get up every morning. I'm an unusual person. On Monday mornings, people get up dreading things. I get up and think, "Oh my, it's a whole new week of opportunities," and on we go. And th- it's been my career, Gary. It really goes back to in the in the late '70s. I uh, I worked for a Rider Truck Rental, and Rider Truck Rental was kind of interesting because they believed in the profit center type process and so therefore everything what everything was nothing was controlled from the corporate headquarters it's all controlled in the field and i was a local manager and consequently you did everything by yourself you were in charge of hiring you were in charge of firing you were in charge of safety you were in charge of union negotiations you were in charge of the whole range of things and a few years after that, I, I was a good corporate citizen. Every time they said, would you move to? I said, sure, I'll move to. Well, we did that about five or six times. And my wife said, how, how long are we going to do this? And I said, how long are we going to do what? And she says, keep moving. I said, well, what's wrong with that? She says, I don't like it. And we happened to end up at that point in time, we were in Anne Arundel County and, uh, and she was born and raised in Baltimore County. And she says, I want to stay here. So right. I said, okay, fine. So I've got some skills. And with a neighbor of mine, we began two companies. We began 1990. We began Human Resources Incorporated and Temporary Staffing uh, in D.C., which was a, a, typical temporary sta- a typical temporary service, which we have since closed. And I bought his interest a few years ago. But our whole concept was that the employee leasing industry, the employee outsourcing industry was exactly where the temp service was 25 years earlier. Well, now we've been, I've been at this since 1990. So I've been into this for 32 years and uh, have a whole lot of different kinds of experiences. 
And but one of the things I've learned along the way is that everybody we ever talk to says, my company is unique. My organization is unique. Well, matter of factly, I used to think, well, that's not really true. When I got started, I thought, you know, first of all, let's do some things. Let's get people paid. Let's do some benefits and let's do some HR kind of stuff. Well, in doing the in doing the, the HR, I thought, well, or payroll, I thought, how hard can that be? Every two weeks, you take number of hours worked, you multiply it out. Well, today I know a whole lot differently. Than I think <laughs> I got quite an, I've gotten quite an education over the years from time and place. And from a human resource perspective, as an avocation, I was a Dale Carnegie instructor for 25 years, doing the basic public speaking course and doing a, a, a course called uh, a course which is an orientation for new managers people who particularly had when the science disciplines or the accounting disciplines didn't have any didn't have any opportunity to supervise and didn't know how to attract and motivate people and so i said well all these things melded in so 32 years later here we are and that's how i got to where i am today so great yeah i, I think i think it is funny because you know everybody everybody does think that their business is unique and as you know, you know, many things, you know, you can dress them up differently, but, but they're still kind of the same fact pattern. So, you know, in your years of, of doing you know, the payroll and the HR and things like that, what have you found to be kind of the, the biggest mistake that business owners make when it comes to, to payroll and HR? They, they walk in without understanding it. And one of the things I've learned in my business career is almost every industry has its own vocabulary. Mm -hmm. People will call us and they'll say, can you help us with payroll? And we can't answer that question, yes or no. And the reason we can't is because my first question has got to be, Gary, if you call me, what is your definition of payroll? What kinds of things do you think are included in that process? And we run into the same thing with benefits. When we talk to people about benefits, we have to ask a question. And the question is, in your business or in your organization, why do you offer benefits in the first place? What's your motivation? Why do you do that? And over the course of years, I've heard people, I've gotten probably a gazillion different responses ranging from all the way to from, I think it's, I thought I had a legal obligation to do it mm -hmm. all the way through to a process that says, gee, I think it's the Christian thing to do. I'm not debating any one of those. Whatever, whichever one they choose is fine. I just want to understand what the perspective is. And then the third thing and the third platform that HRI operates on is really human resource consulting. And it takes us a little bit of time to get over, you know, people think I'm, I'm, I have a firm belief that over the course of years, we've all been taught management by exception. And so consequently, we look at the aberrant behavior and that's what we focus on. Well, I, I, I go a different way. I believe that every employee or almost every employee, there are certainly exceptions, but I believe every employee comes to work every day with the intention that they're going to do a good job. I want to do well today. And somewhere along the line, the leadership of the organization just makes that not work well. They do things to take away from people. And I, I think the process is this. And I was actually having a chat with my wife last night. 
she was talking about the fact she has cleaners come in every two weeks. And after, after they leave, she's always unhappy with something. And I said, well, let's just slow down here. I said, they were here. I said, there were three people here for two hours. So they worked six hours. I said, did they, did they screw up for six hours? And she said, no. She said, they just didn't do this, this, and this. And I said, well, let's think about this for a second. They did, they work well for five hours and 55 minutes, yet you're emphasizing the five minutes that they didn't meet your requirements. And this is one of the processes, I think, you know, we have to begin when we, people start to talk about human resources. Uh, and when we get called in, sometimes it's remedial, sometimes things are broken and they need to be fixed or there are compliance issues or whatever the case may be. But we really prefer to work on a platform that says, if it's a good organization, we want the human resource function to help make it a better organization. And if it's a better organization, we want our addition of human resources to make it amongst the very best organizations. So rather than say, well, let's go be fixers, we want to be improvers. And one of the ways that one of the ways that you have to do that is you have to change your orientation a little bit. And you have to, and Sam Walton had a very interesting thing. He had a program called DWD. And there's a story told about him walking into a Walmart store. And DWD stood for damn well done. And he would walk around the store catching people, doing things well. He would write them a little note and he would hand it to them and sign it. Well, we have to stop and we have to teach people to stand back a little bit. And let's talk about the things that are going well. Let's talk about the things where we excel. And let's also talk about structure in an organization that become obstacles to workers achieving whatever it is their maximum potential is. What kinds of things, you know, we have, we have a way we throw obstacles out there one after the other. And so what are those obstacles? How do we get rid of them? And the question always is, we ask people, how this gets started in the first place? Because there's always something that triggered it and somebody chose a remedy, which was a universal remedy to a small problem. And those are the kinds of things that we get involved in all the time. So they, they become really interesting. Every time we work with someone, it's like a puzzle. It's like putting a puzzle together, but we always try to work on the plus side. And rather than be fixers, we wanna be motivators. Right. I mean, I think you, you bring up a really good point because, you know, at, as business owners, you know, we do, we're, we're kind of rushing through the day. I don't want to say rushing through the day, but we are rushing through the day because we're trying to get work done. We're trying to be efficient. We're trying to do all of these things. And lots of times, you know, we see the things that aren't working That's and right. we want to try to fix the things that aren't working and we're not paying attention to what is working. And, commenting on that those things are working um and i and i think that lots of times as a business because i'm guilty of it um you know especially during tax season i'm like okay well why isn't it you know type thing instead of you know focusing on because like you're saying with with you know your example with your wife it's like you know okay they did 99 of everything good there's that one percent and you're going to harp on that one percent and i think we need to take a step back because as an employee, they don't want to just hear about the 1% all the time. That's right. They tell them about the 99%. And 
not harp so much. Yes, you do still need to talk about the 1% and help them improve, but I, 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 big, big point right there that, that you talked about that I think that everybody, you know, really needs to, to take to heart because sometimes it is difficult for us to slow down and think about that. Yeah, it is. It is. And sometimes we just, and once again, it just goes back to, we've been taught for years, management by exception. And, uh, and, we so we do it, and that's what we emphasize, and it, it really carries through to a lot of unfortunate places. It, it carries its way through to performance reviews, when it's time to give employee give an employee feedback. The first things we think about are the things that he or she didn't do, right? And where were the shortcomings? And rather than because they're easy to remember, because they are such a minority of the the amount of time that an employee works rather than the majority when the employee is working at 95 96 97 98 percent efficiency you as leaders you really have to work to pick out the things that they're doing well because they just happen quietly and perfectly and and everything goes well so it, it's a, it's an it's a it's a task to catch people doing things well now, at HRI, do you work with um, the business owners and try to help them change their vocabulary from, you know, you know, instead of being a quote unquote manager, now they're a leader using the right, you know, uh, verbiage and things like that when they're talking with their employees? We were every every relationship. You know, when I when I began, I said everybody says their business is unique. Uh, and, and their businesses are unique, whether it's a for-profit business or not-for-profit business. It really is interesting because it takes on a lot of the personality of the leadership. Mm-hmm. And some leaders are very autocratic. Other leaders are very participative. But the question is, what do you want to be? And one of the questions we always ask is, when you sit down at night and you put your feet up and you have an adult beverage and you say, gee... I wish this were the case. What's the answer to that question? And then the next question we ask is, what is the as is? And how are we gonna build a roadmap to get from the as is in the human relations department to the should be? Mm-hmm. And it, it's always interesting. And, and sometimes if we, if we find that people don't wanna move, then that's just fine. We start to take a look because everything has to go back to import the ability to attract and retain the people you need to put your business together. I don't care who it is. Um, anyone who is going to, the, the solitary person needs some support, even if it's only temporary support, they need support. So our job is to create an environment where people can be successful and where the business can attract and retain the people that they need. That's really what we're trying to do is to create an environment where everybody gets up in the morning and they say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I want to go do a good job, you know, and there, and there are very, and every once in a while, you'll find an employee who figuratively wants to roll a grenade down the aisle in the office and see what happens. And, right. But they're few and far between. And the vast majority of people come in every day and they want to do well. So our job is to create an environment where they can be successful. You know, you talked to obviously many, many different business owners, many different size companies over the years. Um, 
when a business owner, you know, that you talk to says, oh, I don't need HR support um, and I can't afford it anyway. Kind of what's your what's your rebuttal to that? Well, there are two things about one is you could take a canned response and say, what's the cost of not having it? True. Uh, what kinds of things have you run into? But the, re the rebuttal to that is, where are you? Have you achieved all the things in your business and all your things personally and professionally that you want to? And if you haven't, why not? And if you had a different HR type program, would you be where would you be moving closer to that? And the second thing is the cost. You know, one of the things that's really nice about outsourcing is that we we when we do a program, we do a pretty good analysis before we begin. So we know pretty well where it is that we need to go. But we don't dictate. One of the things we do is we coach and we tell a business owner, we tell a leader in a nonprofit organization, here are the things we see and here are some remedies. And if they want to implement them, then we hold our hand and we get them implemented. If they choose not to, it's it's almost like the uh, membership card that I carried for quite some time for my uh, Club One membership over on the Eastern Shore. You know, I said, oh, gee, I got this membership. I, sh I should start feeling better because I have a gym membership. Well, <laughs> except for one thing. If you don't use it, it doesn't do a heck of a lot. Right, right. And one of the things that one of the things that works out well for us and well for people concerned about pricing, they know exactly what they're going to spend over the next 12 months based on the headcount. And the question is, how much are they going to use us? And that really is up to them. We don't force programs upon people. But so they either choose to call us or or not. Uh, now, for example, man called me earlier this morning as I walk in the door at 7 30 this morning my phone was ringing it was one of our clients who said I just had the third call from a manager who says he can't come to work today he said what kinds of things should I think about doing and I said well you're already at work because um, you already know this but um, so we started to work through those kinds of things and is is there is, is there something systemic but he knows exactly what he's going to spend, and we know how much time we're going to spend. And, uh, you know, we had an interesting one not long ago where one of our clients wanted to do a 401k as one of the benefits that we offer. Mm -hmm. And this client has been with us for over 20 years and uses very, very little of our services, except for he decided to do a, a, uh, a 401k uh, profit sharing distribution. Well, that probably involved almost 25 hours of work just because we come in, we came up to a lot of end of the road type things that weren't quite right that had evolved over the years. But he paid us no more than he would have been that he was forecasted to pay us to participate and do that work and clean that up. In other in other years, we've collected a fee from him and heard from him very little. So. But it's a very it's a very predictable cost, and the question you always have to ask is, what is the cost of not doing it? Yeah, I I think lots of times, you know, I always try to tell people, you know, when it comes to the um, planning side of things, you know, with an attorney or tax attorney, um, uh, CPA, you know, human resources, whatever it is, 
Um, it's always much better to plan this in, in advance to know that you have somebody there because it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more on the back end if you have a serious HR problem um, with one of your employees if you haven't done all the things that you're supposed to in advance. You you are right. I think you're right on target with that. That's that's the right analysis. The uh, sometimes it it's a lot easier the fact the sooner we're into something with that's adverse, the better off we are. Uh, and typically, it, it's very difficult today to keep up. And the the whole pandemic thing has made it worse. Oh yeah. Because now we have things the regulators are uncertain of and and the kinds of things that happen we now have life has changed we have a workforce now that is all over the continental united states and which is great for employers because now the pool from which they can pull people is far larger but the question is all of a sudden you have you're a maryland employer and you have one employee in montana Mm -hmm. And now there, the questions start to mount. The question is, hmm, are you generating revenue in Montana? And if you are, does that do you need to register to do business there? Or right. is that just an incidental employee? And oh, by the way, where should his or her uh, state unemployment tax be sent? Should it go to Montana or should it come here? Oh, and by the way, we now have workers' compensation, and we have a home worker, and so consequently, is that person covered under the workers' comp policy? And do I need to add Montana as a jurisdiction? And so now you have all these things that have become far more complicated. And sometimes, the and and at the beginning of the pandemic, we're st we're starting to frame most of them. I'm sure there are things we haven't even thought of yet that will come up. But when they first started coming up, we were able to frame them and we know how to deal with them pretty well. Uh, but it changes, it changes the entire environment. The landscape is very different. And then all of a sudden you terminate that employee and you have to be concerned about, all right, what about the, what about the termination and what about the unemployment and what is the employee entitled to from a, from a benefit continuation process? And of course, and, and the other thing that's happened over the course of time is all these little bergs in the United States, all these little places, and particularly in Pennsylvania is irritating, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, but you know, they pass all these little rules. So oh, now yeah. you have federal rules, you have state rules, and in the state of Pennsylvania, there is a there is a state education tax. And if I live on one side of the street and you live on the other side of the street, even though we have the same zip code, we may be paying our school tax to separate people. And it's just, you know, so these kinds of things just go on and on. And they're they're very difficult and they're expensive. You know, you you raised the question or the, 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 the framing that you use for this is somebody says, gee, I don't need HR and it's too expensive. I don't need to spend the money. You're going to spend the money. Oh, yeah. Uh, the difference is it's going to be leakage and you're not always going to know you're spending the money. It's just going to leak, leak, leak. And that, and that happens frequently. Sometimes when we get involved with the prospect, 
some of the things we see are just amazing. We had one where we, we looked at their uh, benefit bills and they had people who had been gone for 24 months for whom they were still paying monthly insurance and those kinds of things. And those kinds of things add up very quickly. And so when you say, well, gee, you know, I can't afford to do this, then I, I go back and I, I sometimes for me, I, I'm not always real smooth. So sometimes, sometimes, as a matter of fact, a client looked at me, a prospect looked at me one time and we were talking about, uh, we, were we were talking about human resources and we were talking about warm and fuzzy and, and being, but being straightforward with people. And he, and the client looked at me and a prospect looked at me and he said, you know, he said, you strike me <clears throat> as someone who would be very straightforward, but he says, I got the feeling you're not too good at warm and fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, I may not be too, I may not be too good at warm and fuzzy. I said, but you know, we'll get the job done and, and we'll tell people the kinds of things that they need to know. And this, which kind of led us down another road, you know, earlier I said, we try to create an environment where the worker can be successful every day. Sometimes they don't know what to do. And this falls upon leadership. Right. Um, they have not, no one is properly outlined. And the question I always have to ask is, Gary, if I come into your place, how would I know when you did a good job? If I wanted to look at your performance, how would I know when you did a good job? Well, uh, I did this, I did that, I did that. Well, how did you know what you were supposed to do every day? And usually right. when you, you're trying to talk to people about clearly understanding what's expected of them, we have a tendency to do that. We write this job description and we're proud of ourselves for our job description. Except for one thing, it goes on a shelf and collects dust. Yep. And then after that, the employee allow the employee starts to migrate to what he really he or she really wants to do and what they really like to do, and they're not doing what the job description was calling for. Well, that job description existed because as an accountant, you know, every there should be a return on investment in everything. Right. And if you're going to give an employee fifty or sixty or seventy thousand dollars a year, and I'm talking about sorry, cost of the to have that employee, you need to get a return. And the way you express the return you want is in the job description. And the way you the way you decide the performance is to do a performance appraisal related to the job description, except for the fact if a job description is fluffy, if it talks about maximizing or minimizing, what does that mean? How do we minimize things? Right. How do we maximize things? It has to say. We have to reduce our bad debt to less than $20,000 a year. Uh, we have to be able to add six new accounts. The easiest people to evaluate clearly are salespeople. Oh, yeah. Here, here's what I expect of you. I want right. seven new accounts this month. I want $100,000 in revenue. And, you know, away we go. And we do a good job. As soon as we get away from the salespeople, our objectives are no longer the, the measurable objectives. They don't have any objectivity towards them. They're the soft issues, and that becomes pro that becomes problematic. So I don't know how I got off on that tangent. Yeah, but it, no, I mean I agree with you 100% because I know that that over the years I've struggled with that at times with with you know uh, me on my side of things with with tax preparers and bookkeepers and things like that. You know we can measure by their by their output. 
but when you when it comes to um, admin support and things like that, it it, it is a little bit more difficult, um, you know, because how do you measure, you know, um, uh, you know, customer support and you know the the service and things like that. Um, so you do need to build that, but then you need to come back and measure against it. And if you're not doing that, like you said. If if you're not watching them and you're not measuring and you're not doing these things, they are they're going to migrate to the things that they want to do, not the things that you want them to do. That's um, so I've definitely I've definitely seen that uh, you know over the years, and then you've also you know we're talking about because of the pandemic, our um, employee situation changed from everybody being in the office to having people elsewhere. So that creates a whole nother management issue. And how do I manage employees? I manage employees in the office. It's easy. They're here. You know, if they're hourly employees, you can, you know, you know that they're here type thing. But if they're remote, how are you able to uh, measure and make sure that, you know, again, going back to your ROI, how are you able to measure and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and if they're hourly, that they're providing the right hours. So that does definitely change the way you way, way you look at something. And if somebody doesn't have a professional like you guys to help them with that, they're going to be running around like the chicken with their head cut off trying to figure this stuff out. That's for sure. Yes, if, if they ever do figure it out. Right, exactly. You know, one of the interesting things that we bring, and, and this is this is also an interesting distinction, one of the things that we bring to the table is objectivity. When you're when you have people working in your office every day, you have some emotional involvement, much as we would like to deny that. Right. Uh, you know, you're happy with them, they have events in their lives, or they irritate you, or whatever the case may be. We have a we have a, a little bit of a distant vision, and we can bring objectivity to the process. So we can come and we can say, "Hey, Gary, here's what we see. This is what we this is what we see from you know ten miles away in Crofton right. versus what you see, and therefore here are some things to think about." Uh, and we run into that we run into that piece frequently because it's you know it, it's it's difficult and they say well gee i can't deliver this bad news uh, you know I, I i see him every day and and i know he's having a bad time at home and his dog's been sick and all these and i just can't do it and we we can stand back and we say gary look here's what we say here's what you asked him to do here's the result that he got and here is the here are the things he needs to do differently to meet your requirement and give your practice the ROI that you've asked for in hiring you. And so we can set those kinds of things. You know, I'm not a, uh, we keep hearing about performance improvement plans, which are kind of like some holding the door for somebody, encouraging them to say, encouraging them, essentially they encourage people to leave voluntarily when they get one. There are a lot of people who can be salvaged and the, the reason that they're not is because the, their leader either looks at them on an emotional basis rather than a practical basis or can't deliver bad news. Right. And 
Jeff. This is another thing we've been taught over the years is that, Gary, you're really a good guy and you did this, this, and this well, but, and here's what you need to do differently. After the but, you didn't hear anything. Right, exactly. Uh, so you're walking out saying, oh, I just talked to my boss and he thinks I'm doing a great job and, oh, I'm going to walk merrily on down the path. There, People want to know. They want to know differently. And contrary to what we think, uh, the, the more feedback we give them, the more honest feedback we can give them when it's not couched in an Oreo sandwich with, you know, here's the good part, here's the bad part, here's the good part before you leave. Uh, you know, the middle's gone. And the, the more honest feedback we can give them, the better they're going to grow and the better they're going to be able to support our organizations. Right. So, Tim, we've we've covered a lot of stuff. I've gotten a lot out of out of our, our our talk. I'm sure that the listeners have also. What have I not asked you that you wish I had? I wish you had talked about vocabulary. Uh oh. <laughs> what does people, as I said, people call and they say, "Can you, can we do payroll?" Well, okay, what is payroll? Well, I don't want benefits. Well, okay, what are benefits to you? And let's get into that. And, and one of the things we have to worry about diligently is we have to figure out a better way. And this is incumbent upon us. This is not incumbent upon anybody who's calling us. It's really incumbent on us to figure out better definitions and make sure that we are talking about the same thing when we use frequently, when we go to the frequently used words and expressions. Great. So if people like what they hear, and I think a lot of people will, and they want to learn more about what HRI does and, and what you do and the services that are provided, how can they reach out to you guys? They can reach us online on our website, which is www.hri-online.com, hri-online.com. Or you pick up the phone. The phone sitting on my desk rings, and it's 443-321-7777. My desk phone, I answer it all day long, 443-321-7777. And if it's just a conversation to say, hey, do we have common ground? You know, I'd certainly be glad to have that conversation. Great, great. Tim, I really appreciate your time today. Um, I think our listeners will get a, a lot out of our conversation today and uh, be able to use this going forward um, and helping build out their professional team of advisors. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. It's been fun. Great. This week, our guest was Tim Schaefer with Human Resources, Inc. I'll see you guys next week. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.